Hey everybody, thanks for checking out Bleach Mouth Postscript. My name is Larry. On this podcast, I generally have a guest each episode and they... Oh, fuck. You know, man, you'd figure out to get this right by this point. You know the deal. They come armed with five pieces of music. It can be a song. It can be an LP. It can be an EP. It does not matter what it is as long as we're talking about music. And uh, today's guest is someone who um, was on the short list at the very, very beginning of the podcast uh, from the early days. Uh, I was just not able to make it happen. Uh, our schedules were conflicting quite a bit. And uh, finally, I have her on, uh, Elise from the band Avowal. Uh, she's a pretty formidable guitar player and vocalist and uh, has pretty damn good taste in music. And it's something that... I always like chatting with her about, so I figured, what the fuck, uh, let's have her on here, let's record it, and let's post it. So, uh, this is a lot of fun, cover a lot of ground, and, uh, I mean, they're all fun. I say that all the time, but I mean it, they're fun, and this one was particularly fun. So, uh, hope you enjoy as much as, uh, we did having it. So, I have to admit something, uh, I misplaced your list. I said, me but, too. But here's what I was able to cobble together. Oh, I no. hate God, Carcass, Axioma, Neil Young, and I think Death. No, but that's not a bad one. Um, well, what was the other one? Do you that's remember? a good fucking question, man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it was I hate God, Carcass. Carcass. So I wanted, Ac- oh, Doug Kennedy's. I oh, yes, 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 yes. No, 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 that's actually, actually, that's perfect because, um, I don't get to talk about that band enough. Mm-hmm. Because that was a first for me. That was like, well, one of them, sorry, I have an old house. So anyone that's walking, you're going to hear like all the creaking. You're going to hear my dogs, my son, uh, okay. the kids are at grandma's, which is where I was coming <laughs> from when I told you I was going to be home in a few minutes. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, you'll probably hear the wind blowing too. Um, but, uh, so they were a first for you. What do you mean by a first, a first love, a first band, a a first what? For like getting into like actual punk. So like my first love's Nirvana. That was like one of the Mm -hmm. first bands I ever fell in love with. I like looking across the room at my Kurt, one of my Kurt Cobain posters right now. Um, and like that and the offspring were Mm -hmm. really early for me so like i would get into bands just on the basis of like what who is on like the bands you like what shirts do they have on so it's like oh let's go check out this band so i remember dexter holland of the offspring there's i had this picture of him and he had the dk shirt on and i was like who's that and i got fresh fruit for riding vegetables and that shit changed everything you know i was like wow this is this is cool i didn't even understand all the lyrical themes or anything at that point i just liked the guitar tone i liked the jello's voice and mm-hmm. you know so it was like i don't know just like a really cool that was like my first like intro to getting into more punk music and that's like when i learned i always thought the offspring were punk up until that point they start meeting other people into punk music that were like, no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I I'm that way too. That I don't I don't think of Offspring as a punk band, but I think it could be argued broadly that Nirvana and the Offspring are punk bands. 
broadly if you're using Broad. the white, but you know, I think, and the reason I bring that up is because one of the things I like to tell people, I'm like, you know, dead Kennedys are a hardcore band and people are like, okay. I'm like, no, they are broadly speaking, you know, um, all the earliest hardcore bands when people started identifying something as hardcore and and you have to understand back in the early 80s like when dead kenny's minor threat and all these other bands i mean minor threat called themselves a hardcore band but primarily these bands thought of themselves as punk bands mm -hmm. you know and so i would argue that you know the dead kennedys are a hardcore band they're a hardcore punk band you know not all punk bands are hardcore but all hardcore bands if they're doing it correctly in my are narrow punk. in my narrow view yes are punk bands you know so that leaves that that's a pretty broad umbrella so that's why if somebody said to me nirvana's a punk band i could i'd be willing to listen to the argument because well, well okay I mean, sure i mean you listen to bleach like i mean there's definitely punk elements i mean mm -hmm incest aside that has like some of those demos they're definitely i yeah. mean in my you know not so close i don't know like that's like where i get kind of annoyed with genres in general because i mean like it seems like the bands that i like most or that i gravitate toward the most like carcass is a perfect example of a band that just they don't stick to a genre you can't be like oh that, you know, they had this phase, they had they had their grind phase, they had their death kind of grind, melodic death, and like death and roll, and then surgical was just like brilliant. I think I, between like it I was just a really good combination between like necroticism, heart work, and even some symphonies. Yeah. I think the trick is for me that I've got no problem with genres. Like I will, I like to be able to identify something. That's just the way my brain works. However, that doesn't mean I'm only going to listen to that genre. I mean, you know right. me well enough to know that I'm listening to everything. everything. You know? <laughs> yeah. But I like to be able to identify it. And and with specific genres, um, metal, not so much because I cast an even wider net with metal. Like somebody can say to me, well, that's, that's death metal. I'm like, yeah, metal. Yeah. That's power metal. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, metal. You know, it's all yeah. metal, right? I, I, I think metal like I have an understanding of those yeah. like subgenres, but like mm -hmm. I think a lot of especially modern metal bands, it's you know, it's, it's really real, hard. It gets real nitpicky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what I was gonna say with like with hardcore, the reason I'm real rigid with that, although people can identify whatever they want, however they want, it does ultimately it's an unimportant question. This is just nerd shit, right? <laughs> With hardcore for me, it's, there was a, it was a specific device for a specific reason. So once you kind of fall out of that, it stops being the thing. That doesn't mean the thing is bad now. It just means right. that it's not the thing anymore. You know, so when a hardcore band starts blatantly playing metal riffs, that doesn't mean it's bad. It just it's means it's metal and that's fine. You know, it just means it's, it's not, not as hardcore anymore. It's not, it's not a hardcore band. So what would you, what would you like say, like the epitome of like a hardcore, hardcore sound? The, the easy, the easiest answer. And they're not even anywhere in my favorite band list, but I would just point somebody to the minor threat.
okay. That's 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 the epit that that's it, you know. And then you have like, you know, you have dead Kennedys, you have Black Flag, you have your negative approaches, you have your SSD control, stuff like that. And all those bands sound wildly different. Right. But if somebody was to say, you know, if if somebody said to me, I've never heard hardcore before play it for me, I'm gonna play minor threat. Because right. it, and they have enough depth in their catalog, even though they, they only have the three seven inches in the LP, you can there's differences. Like the LP is really tuneful and very melodic in its own way. And it's catchy and they write hooks and they're concerned about writing songs. And then the first two seven inches are just that all-out fury, but still have that, you know, I would play minor threat. But you know, there are bands out now like um uh, for example, there's a band called uh, Knocked Loose, and people call them a hardcore. I'm like, that is nowhere near the ballpark, let alone being in the same ballpark. That's like two states over in a different stadium, you know. But if that's what the kids want to call it, okay. I mean, it's their music, man. I'm not trying to tell them what to do. I'm right. just saying, if you were to uh, ask me, if you <laughs> <laughs> if you were to ask me. I'd be like, nah, nah, fam, that's not it. <laughs> nah. No, but it that's a good segue in a carcass because you start talking about them. That's a boon. Oh, real quick. Do you have a favorite Dead Kennedy song? Oh, favorite Dead Kennedy song. Now, it's not on my favorite record, but I it would probably be either Life Sentence or... Uh, Oh, what's the, um, let me draw a blank while I'm talking. Um, no, that's okay. I, isn't that the name of it? What's that? Um, it's on Give Me Convenience or Give Me Death. Insight. Uh, yeah. Oh, I about, probably who's that kid in the back of the room? Insight? Yeah. Who's that? Yeah. That's what it's that, called, right? That's one of my favorite. Hand, hand to whatever thing you pray to, and I don't pray to anybody, hand to that. That's my favorite Diddy Kenny song. Yeah. Who's that kid oh. in the back? Yeah, that is such a good song. It is so good. It's yeah. got such an energy to it. <laughs>
but like from start to finish, and I don't know if it's just because it was my first, but uh, Fresh Fruit for Rotting Vegetables was my absolute favorite. I mean, I love the song Drug Me and uh, Kill the Poor. <laughs> just, there's so many. And then that, that like really, you know, as I did get older and more in tune with society, that was like a really big album to me and just like understand I came from a very conservative household I had one way of looking at things and he just made me kind of like question remember like that's when I started asking more questions like oh is this yeah maybe maybe all this isn't right and then you know like the more you go into their cattle I mean like life sentence is a perfect example too yeah. uh, just like you know here's the conveyor belt everybody wants you on but you know is that I really free I think Fresh Fruit is the consensus, quote unquote, best record. I really like Plastic Surgery Disaster. All their stuff I is say, good. I hear that a lot more. I think the Plastic Surgery. Really? Disaster. Okay. I mean, it's just my friend. Some of my friends. Not. I mean, like I have quite a few in different ages that have said that to me. I. But that's what I hear most of: Fresh Fruit or Plastic Surgery Disaster. Yeah, I, I think they lost a plot a bit on Bedtime for Democracy and Frank and Christ, but there's still some really good stuff on there. You know, yeah. um, I think um, to your point about, you know, their political lyrics, like I've said this before, that Dead Kennedys and Public Enemy broadly informed my nascent political outlook. Like without those two groups, I don't think I would have really given a second thought to things, you know, um, and, and I'm talking and, and those are really gross teenage uh, not very nuanced political thinking, even though those guys are I'm not saying that they're not nuanced and not, you know, thinking oh, yeah, like, like but when you, day. but when you're a 14 year old boy, I mean, I'm still combating my hormones and wanting to date girls and, and being, you know, combating all of that on top of taking this in. So a lot of my thoughts were probably very, you know, just not well thought out, but the general oh, idea was like, you know, <laughs> Hey, <laughs> <laughs> it's not all good yeah. yeah well i think to a teenager you just have such a limited worldview like even if you are fairly open-minded or curious or you know you've only had so much life experience to inform that you've only seen so much go down i mean i was i mean i was like 12 and 13 getting into dead kennedy's so then i remember like i was still like in middle school so i, I really didn't know shit but then like when i was in high school you know, we had the terrorist attacks. Uh, we had uh, Bush, that Bush election with Kerry. And that was like, I was like a sophomore in high school or, yeah. or I'm sorry, like here in high school at that point. And, uh, and I just remember like, you know, I had like my family's view and my community as a whole, which was more conservative. But then like punk was saying a lot different and a lot of artists too. I even remember uh incubus actually critiquing bush with that megalomaniac song came or out and then cool even music video. the dixie chicks even yes, yes. you know they, they came out and they said nah it's not cool you know and they lost their careers over that that yeah. was like you know talk about cancel culture man yeah <laughs> they for got sure really fast i think but um, now now people say have, sing a different tune about that, and I think they just call themselves the Chicks now. Mm -hmm. uh, Dixie Chicks. So, well, I mean, like 
for example, you could listen like when you're 14 and you're listening to a song called Police Truck and you yeah. don't realize it's it's satire and it's talking about something. Like I just thought, well, that's a wild song. Yeah. Like you don't when I'm 14, I'm not thinking like the cops do this. You know, I just thought it was just I didn't think of that as a political song because I wasn't I wasn't smart enough. I was just like, oh, this is just a goof. They're goofy punk song. You know, so sarcastic. Jello is so and like, I think that's also, you know, the offspring definitely took influence from it. They're a very sarcastic band, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they sing they weren't as well, I guess they're like earlier, like their self-titled album ignition maybe a little bit too uh where they had a little more like the but then they they seemed to be more they switched more in writing about like personal problems things that i related to as a teenager you know or whatever vein it was there but but dexter was like very sarcastic and some of his lyrical thing themes and like the sound clips and things they'd use and i bet that was that seemed like it was an influence from the dead kennedys and uh, I, Jella. I, I bet it was i'd be willing to bet money on that you know yeah. much like you know um i think bill steer and jeff walker were probably talking about personal problems when they wrote genital grinder <laughs> well what was i do remember <laughs> reading an interview where uh jeff was saying like at the time they really want it because everything, all these bands are writing things about women and, you know, doing horrible things to women and just, you know, so they wanted to do things a little differently and, and actually, he, oh, what if we had this happen to guys instead, which is, I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I say that jokingly, but those guys are definitely from like um, a crust punk background. I mean, particularly Jeff, he was an electro hippies, you know, Bill Steers, all those, all those English guys from the early grindcore bands early death metal bands are definitely steeped in like punk the uk stuff and then stuff a little bit after like sacrilege and and shit like that but you know carcass was you know they're they're one of the great bands that's ever existed they're not for sure i don't know if i were to rank my top 20 bands i don't know if they're in my top 20 but i think they're definitely in that. <laughs> I think I think that they're just special because like you mentioned earlier before we backtracked the Dead Kennedys, they kind of covered a lot of ground. And every time they've done a change, they've like swayed the way metal musicians were looking at music. Yeah, they define genres with like their entire but like at the same time I understand like why some people are like oh, at this album, I was done. They weren't into it because, you know. But what I liked, and I think maybe this was, because I was into them when they weren't active, you know, my age and everything. So it was, but what was the thing about heart work, especially, was like, I had even hippie friends that were like, dude, the guitar work on that out. And they were into that. Like, then they weren't metal really at all, but they all wanted to learn some some of the songs off heart work because it was just such a like such a groundbreaking album was that was that your entry point was that one was that one your entry point um no actually the first one i remember hearing was necroticism okay and actually like i and they were a band i listened to and i just went down a whole rabbit hole but you know what 
a swan song. Everybody hates on that one, but I really, I liked it. It was catchy. And I just remember there was this band. I was like, I wanted to hear it all. And it was all so different. Reek even had moments like the guitar riffs and stuff, but that one was like a little bit harder for me to digest than. It sounds, yeah. listen, I, I love that one. And I love symphonies for sickness. I came in on symphonies. Objectively, those albums sound like trash. Subjectively, I'm fucking loving it. I'm here for that shit. Like I love it. And so when they did, I'm one of those people you talk about when they when they got around to heart work, I'm like, I'm like, man, I don't fucking know. Like I recognize the, you know, undisputable Long excellent work. excellence of their playing and stuff. I'm like, is this what I want from these guys? You know? And it took me literally four or five years before I'm like, you know what? I love this record. I love yeah. it. You know, I just had to sort of accept them in the same way that I do. People are probably sick of hearing me talk about them. The same way I do Voivod. Voivod never sat still. Mm -hmm. I mean, there, there's a certain element that's in all of them, in all of them, but they never sat still. So why would I have the same expectation for Carcass? You know, and truthfully, I, I think or they're making artists, really. I think like, like as fans, like that's, that can be like a really toxic part of being a music fan, not saying I've never embodied it, like walked away from a band. So it's just like, eh, this is not what I'm into. It's not, not my cup of tea, but like even the most recent carcass album, is it my favorite? No, I put it even beneath reek. Um, but I think it's like brilliant guitar work. I will still throw it on and listen to it with more regularity than a lot of other bands. I don't, I definitely don't hate it and I'm, I'll still go listen to whatever new stuff they put out after it. Um, but I was really hoping for, you know, surgical was just awesome to me. Cause I, I just loved, it was like a complete culmination of their earlier, like some of my favorite carcass records. So. Yeah. I, I think surgical steel is actually, I, you know, people might call us blasphemy. I like surgical steel better than hard work and I like hard work a lot. Yeah. And I oh, think, I I think that it's neck and neck with symphonies is my favorite, but symphonies is because I saw them on that tour and that's a nostalgia thing. Yeah. You know, like I was a little kid and I'm like, what is this? You know? And I so think a lot of people your age that were in the carcass, like in that age group, that that's, that's a big album for them, especially if you're into the more extreme. And my, my yeah. ears, my ears were primed for that sort of thing because of hardcore bands. Like, you know, listening to Siege will prime your ears for something that sounds like complete garbage.
and you just, you, you hear through it. You hear the excellence through it. I mean, yeah. I, I think if I had to pick a least favorite record, it, it, it might be Swan Song only because I haven't lived with it. Like every time I listen to it, I'm like, well, I like this part and this part, but then I just walk away from it, right? I don't hate it. I just don't, it just hasn't, hasn't stuck with me. <laughs> but one that I probably can speak to with some authority because I have lived with it. Necroticism is my least favorite carcass record. Really? Yes. I mean, um, and it's not a bad record. It's a great record. I think Heartwork just eventually after I, I it, yeah, I, after I grew accustomed to it, I'm like, this is stronger songwriting. You can hear a through line in each song. Necroticism felt like riff salad in some spots and i'm like i don't need this i want to hear an actual song prayers <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like um but that that's ah oh, shit there was something i wanted to oh yeah because this is like i think that's the thing also it's important to remember when like people are listening to the carcass discography is how groundbreaking the engineering and production were at this time like rika putrefaction there's they so didn't know many... how to record that. How do you record no, that? No, that was like a first. That was a very, that was one of the earliest grind recordings. And they say like, I, there was this great interview where Bill Spear actually ranked his album, The Carcass Records. And this wasn't that long after Surgical Steel came out, which he put Surgical as number one. But he went into detail more about just like how the engineers screwed the record and this and that. But it was also like, yo, this is this is one of the earliest, you know, this was like one of the first times anyone was capturing this. So at the same time, it's like, we can be like, Oh, they could have done better. But, and then surgical steel, it's also important to remember that that's the first time that they went digital in their recording process. It was all um, analog before that. So. Well, I mean, you can listen to like right around the time they did necrosis and there was that tools of the trade ep and they did mm -hmm. a re they did they reworked rotten to the gore that's my favorite carcass song because of that specific that I specific version of it that version of that song is so good and you know nobody talks about ken owens drumming they you know that guy i mean the guy they like the guy they have now is really great but the the drumming just feels very there's not a lot of characters. Drumming on surgical steel, especially, is some of the best. Like, I love Ken Owen. Don't get me wrong. And I like everything. Like, he he influenced so many people. He influenced an entire genre with like how his approach to drums. He isn't the most like he he didn't seem like the type that would like sit down right to a click track where like it seems like Dan Wilding you know, he seems like one of those drummers that can go in the studio, has everything mapped out. Um, kind of like John, uh, Axioma or formerly of. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm aware of how he but, plays. Like, I've heard that he like totally maps everything out. And Dan seems to me like that type of drummer. He's a very tight drummer. His fills on that record are not like anything Ken would do. And I think like that, that might be part of like what well, kind of, that's modern carcass apart in some ways differentiates them from the earlier catalog and that's no shade to Ken Owen.
I don't pretend to know Dan Wilding's musical taste, but I mean, that's a generational shift. I mean, cause if you look that's at Ken right. Owen, he's listening to punk and probably a lot of classic rock. So his drumming sounds that way. Like it's, it's more naturalistic sounding, although he's breaking ground with it. Dan Wilding. I appreciate the skill and ability, but that's not my favorite style of drumming. Like I'm like, yeah, there's, there's too much double kick all over this. I mean, I don't really think that way about surgical steel. It's a great record. I think his drumming is a little more tasteful, but that style of drumming can sometimes lend itself to way too much double kick. It takes, it's not adding anything. It's just this thing, you know, you know what I'm getting at. You know what I'm getting at really try i mean that's your first record with carcass and you're filling in the shoes for someone as legendary as ken owen i think he probably took a little bit more time with that record to really Mm -hmm. pay homage to that whereas like if you listen to porn arteries like it almost sounds like a different drummer in some way like i agree whoa that's and i was actually talking with a friend about that recently because we both nerd out on surgical steel and which i don't know if that's an age thing too because we didn't get to grow up with carcass like in the same capacity as like people who were (laughs) (laughs) but what's cool though is like how that band even not being active still like influenced a younger generation and like I mean, like my first death record was Sounds Perseverance, you know, that was not that old at the time that I had heard death for the first time. And, you know, now I would say, and that was my favorite for a long time mm-hmm. and I'll kind of go back and forth with it. The nostalgia factor, yeah. but human is definitely like my favorite when it comes to death. Just to reiterate, no shade on Dan Wilding. When I saw Carcass play in Columbus on Surgical Steel Tour, they were amazing. And he was really fucking great. He's a great drummer. Just My point being, as far as my subjective taste goes, it's not generally my favorite style of drumming. But on Surgical Steel, man, he really kind of just, you're 100% correct. You got to step in Ken Owen's shoes, a guy that people need to talk more about. That's a pretty big task. I'm sure he was looking to Ken Owen and like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Yeah. So, <laughs> well, good... and with like closed minded as like, especially like early era carcass fans can be like, you have your like absolute, I mean, that's like, I guess metalheads in general, you have your like very extreme metalheads that yeah. you can't step outside of this little square or circle or whatever. And nobody should deviate from it should always sound like trash and you know there's you don't have a lot of room to grow but i think it helps that he was in a band with two guys who have no regard for any of that i mean jeff walker bill steer don't seem to care about they just want to play what they're into you know i mean i always tell people like you you, music like i always tell i'm sorry now i stepped all over that go ahead (laughs) i talked right over you i'm sorry no i was (laughs) talking over you (laughs) like you can tell that they're into like country and rock and just like everything like you can tell that i mean and they granted like bill has another band firebird where he does do a lot more rock and those like riffy solos and yeah so i think like that definitely shows up on this last album too is there like that very much that classic rock and blues influence because it's very bluesy 
for a metal and let alone like an extreme metal album and then there are parts that are so great like i don't like how people are like it's not grindy or whatever and i was like dude eleanor rigor mortis there's like a lot of songs on there that that still are like heavy and embody a lot of what carcass are it's just i think um i don't know i just think like that's it's just one of those things where it's not like people's favorite they kind of felt a little flat compared to like you know having a release as epic as surgical i think that is like one of the best come if not the best comeback album ever after yeah. being on for so long and coming back with that i was like shit it's up <laughs> it's up there with um voivod's target earth although they, they had been making records that whole time target earth was the first one where they said okay let's really kind of go back to our mid-period mm-hmm. stuff and do that so and i told i was telling a friend of mine we were talking about metal and I said, you know, the best records are being made by older bands right now. The newer ones. I mean, I mean, like Sodom's consistently putting out great records. Creator is still putting out great records. Yeah. I mean, and these right, I mean, at least is that, that okay, okay. Out? To my ears. That What's that? Is that well, it's like sometimes I wonder is that because like there are a lot of really great new bands doing stuff. However, as as part of it, because like there's that nostalgia factor when you're listening to these older bands, they are perfecting things because there are some bands that get older and you can just tell they're trying too hard to to sell records and trying to do, you know, how much does the label have an influence? How much does the label let them be creative? I think sometimes when you get on those bigger labels and they start to have idea, and I know that that can impact the process first, like when you have your working class bands, like a lot of metal acts are, they do, they have a lot more creative freedom to, you know, I don't know if you're an obituary fan, but the new obituary is, I mean, but I personally don't think that they've really put out a bad record. I think they've stayed in their wheelhouse and perfected it and, this whole time but i haven't i haven't lived with them enough to know i i like the first three albums and then i saw them on the world of my store they were great but i didn't really i didn't really listen to the record that much you know i just wanted to go see them because i knew that they were gonna be good no matter what yeah. um i think i think what what's happening with these older bands is that they've had decades to not only perfect a specific sound but also just be with their instruments that long and you can just tell there's a comfort level with what they're doing that just it's it just feels more natural like yeah we're gonna we're gonna write a song and we're gonna play our parts to service the song and not really just hey let's push the boundaries let's change up let's do this it's like that and you can even hear that in bands that aren't as old but you know have seasoned musicians like listening to axioma the reason i love them so much is like those guys have been playing for a long time, not mm-hmm. just because not just because they're technically sound. I mean, you can find a million guys that are not even half their age that are just as technically sound, but the guys in the Axioma are writing good songs. And well, I, I think, think and I, 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 no, I, and and I'm I'm a fan of the two minute single. Not yeah. not that I not that I think bands should have singles, but get in, get out, right? And uh, and even if getting in and well, no, I I know, I know. Even if getting in and getting out takes six or seven minutes to get there, even ten. But if you have that idea, like, well, here we'll start here, we're ending here, and there's like that overarching like theme. You can hear it in the song that they're taking it someplace. 
I'm in for it, you know? And with Axioma, you can totally hear that where a lot of bands that are as technically proficient as them, they can't manage the songwriting end of it. And Axioma just fucking nails it, man. And I think what helps is they all have like some similar influences, but they all kind of come from different musical backgrounds too, which it's like they have like overlapping appreciation for bands that um, post metal kind of, you know, ISIS, neurosis. Um, but then they also have like, like, I mean, Aaron has played in fuck, <laughs> so many different bands, so many genres. And I think like uh, Cougar, like his his writing style and the way that he writes, him and Justin will write off of each other from a guitar standpoint. Like it's just I I mean I can't say enough like good things about that band, but I think that's what gives them such a unique sound too. Though is they all kind of come and like John when he was in the band and he did all the writing on the albums up to this point, although they are recording a new one or a new EP. Um, like he, he was in like some grind projects and stuff, you know what I like? He so did a hardcore and, band too. Yeah. So it's like all these elements that come together. And I think that's why they have such a unique sound by today's, especially in today's standpoint. But then what can also be hard about that is like, I'm, I, I'm like relatively surprised they haven't blown up more than than like where they're at you know like why they aren't doing more tours on more festivals and things just and not i don't say that just because oh they're cool guys they're a fan but i mean from a musicianship standpoint they're doing something that no other band's really doing right now you can't really they fit in with a lot of different styles of music they can hang um but it's just like I don't know what the fuck's wrong with people. <laughs> well, I would I wouldn't say this to dissuade them from doing whatever they wanted and, and making, you know, new sounds for people to be into, but that's probably the very thing that's keeping them from I think blowing that's up the bigger. Part, though, because it's like you don't really like as a musician, I don't set down I don't wanna mimic and, and I think like that's such a thing that's happening now. And it that's how you get signed to labels. That's how you get on the festivals. If you can say we're blank, we're blank and blank. If it's if it's very easy to define, then you know people are willing to listen. You can get, uh, you, you know, you just you have more opportunities that way. Oh, we're playing this death metal festival. Mm-hmm. This this band can hang there, sure. Yeah, but you know, it's just like I don't know, like who's going to be to me it's like they're almost creating a genre you know it's more like something new something not everyone's heard before it's got like this uh and that's just what's going to get frustrating i think like especially in the modern world where everything's so rapid i have to be able to identify put it like that's what i mean i guess like when i say like i get frustrated by genres no i like the idea like but you know it's like spices I don't use just salt in my cooking, you know, like you want a little bit of everything. And that's where, you know, I think it's cool to stay true to certain sounds for if that works for your band and this, but I personally, will get bored of that over time. If I want to hear straight death metal, well, I got 50 bands. I can go yeah. before I go hear your new death metal, like you're, you're cool to see live or whatever, but is that something I'm necessarily going to take home and 
you know, listen to over and over and over again and memorize the songs and know, no, I, I typically do that with stuff that like stands out. There's, there's something to be said about like that moment in time too, that not that it has to stay like old like that, but I think that's like where, when we hear these older bands coming out, their records stand out so much more because yes, they have been doing it for years. They, but they're also those ones that kind of defined those genres. So yeah. there's something to be said for that too. I mean, we also don't know the inner workings of the band. I mean, it might, it might even be a deliberate thing. They might even be like, you know what? Yeah. I, I don't want to pretend to know their business, but I just, on the, yeah. fa- on the face of it, if I'm just looking at the way they sound, I'm like, again, I would never dissuade them. Like, that's hard for people to accept. That's hard for people to hear something new for the first and be like, I don't know what to do with this. Because you're right, people want to compartmentalize stuff. I do. I said earlier, I like to be able to fit things and think. But because, at least with metal, like I mentioned earlier, I can just call something metal and be real vague about it. That's why I have no problem with Axioma doing whatever they want. Because I'm like, yeah, they're a metal band. So yeah. like, what do you mean? Like, do you? Sure. <laughs> no, not like Dio, but, but <laughs> I'm like, but, but, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm like metal is metal is metal. It's, it's a really broad genre, you know, um, you get you a real specificity. I, you keep, huh? You could probably say the same thing about punk though, too. You have, you know, the different, there are two varieties. Uh, there, there are two varieties uh, of punk. Uh, oh, here uh, we- there is, the 77 more rock leaning stuff and then hardcore. That's it. Really? Like <laughs> yeah. there's no pop punk. No, no pop punk is punk. It's just, I mean, well, I mean you have poppy leanings, but I mean, when I think of pop punk, I think of something that's totally rock. not punk rock at all. Like that to me is a, is, is a, that's a slur. Okay. Calling somebody a pop punk is a slur because you I could say with Blink 182 and Green Day and shit, you know, like uh, that was no. on the radio and that's what the people would define. And I don't, and I don't necessarily, I'm not saying it to pick on people, but I'm saying like, well, pop punk, well, you mean like Ramones? You mean like Descendants? They're poppy yeah. as hell, really pop. So it's like punk and but there's a hardcore punk. Ramones and say like Green Day. You know, sure, but but you can hear the DNA. Clearly, they're connected. Clearly, oh, they're connected. Sure. So well, I mean, I mean, there's there's a real you really had to look to like Joan Jett too for sure. like, especially the Green Day influence. You know, yeah. like it, yeah. But but like with metal, you know, you could say, um, yeah, we'll take Carcass and Dio, right? <laughs> you know, the, the the common ancestor is Black Sabbath, right? But everything sort of went all these wild directions. Punk never really went a ton of wild directions, at least because it it was it was a mechanism that served a purpose. You know, metal started off maybe that way because if you think about Black Sabbath and their history and what they were doing, it felt like a mechanism to serve a purpose. But because it was just this, it was so steeped in stuff that was outside everybody else's purview people were picking up on little things and they took it this other way with punk bands it just kind of like they took it one step further made it hardcore and then that was it and that's fine that's okay that again this is my no, that's it, this is my opinion it's <laughs> clearly that and 
you know, I don't, I don't mean to gatekeep or anything like that. That's just, that's just the way I see it. And somebody else might see it differently because how people engage with it, that's their personal thing, you know? Well, I mean, saying like, I've heard that said a lot, like grunge or say sludge, those are very like loose terms. Like if you take the, you know, major grunge bands, Nirvana, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, Stone Temple Pilots, you take those and you're like, those are wildly different sounds. Right. Like, and that's why I've always hated that term grunge because Soundgarden was a metal band. Like, well, and I've, I've heard that a lot. And it wasn't until I was older that I, it was actually like Mike Hill at Tombs he, he, on one of his podcasts, like where he really like picked apart and he hated the word grunge. And like, I had seen things before, but it's like, oh, that really makes sense. You know, we kind of called it grunge. It more so referred to an area, really, where this music came from. Because or a cultural touchstone more than anything, yeah. not necessarily the sound. Uh, yeah. Um, but there's like a huge difference between Nirvana and Soundgarden and Alice in Chains and Pearl Jam and, you know, but, you know. Did you, it's did you get to see, did you get to see any of those bands? Um, no, I asked because they seem formative for you as far as like you talked about Nirvana. The Boy, I was way young when Kurt died, so I, okay. I never to see Nirvana. Oh, god, I would have loved that! But I did see Chris Cornell with Audio Slave, so, okay, which was amazing. I didn't want to like that band at first because I was, you know, just like No More Rage, yeah. Um, you know, like what the hell? But man, those songs were catchy. That performance was incredible, and that was actually at Lollapalooza. Um, it was like Jane's Addiction, Jurassic Five. Oh, uh, okay. And- right now, I'm just as an aside. I'm just gonna tell you, I kind of hate you because you saw Jurassic Five, and I didn't get to see that. <laughs> but go ahead, finish your story. Yeah, that was that was like a really great. I mean, that's pretty much, that's as close as I got to seeing, like, an early grunge band. Um, Alice in Chains. How do you feel about William Duvall? High school and, like, you know, freshly able to go to concerts and stuff, so. How do you feel about William Duvall? What do you mean? That's a... I mean, as far as his involvement in Alice in Chains, do you like Do you like him? Do you not like him? I'm curious because I'm not... I got to see Alice in Chains when they were doing that um the titans tour when they were opening up for suicidal and slayer and whoever else and i didn't know what to make of it like well i i didn't know what to make i didn't like it at the time i didn't hate it but i was like i didn't know what to make of it because it was i walked into it blind i'm like i don't know what this is and then afterwards i appreciated them but i was never a huge fan i was just like okay that's a good band you know so as somebody who likes allison chains who that i Clearly you like them, right? I mean, they, they're okay. So there seems to be like this divide, like people get real mad about William Duvall coming in and singing. And I have friends who are younger than myself that loved Alice in Change, but still love the William Duvall version of it. Well, I'm just like hesitant just in that I haven't given it a chance. Like to me, Fair. it was like Fair. one of the things, like if someone took over and was writing Nirvana songs and releasing Nirvana albums, I would not be about it. I mean, now if someone did a tour 
uh, probably depending on who was doing vocals or something, I might consider it like that kind of fun. But, and, you know, I understand like why you would keep a band like Alice in Chains going. And I've heard he's so close, everything like that. But I just think, you know, in a world where we act like everybody's so disposable and replaceable, we can just... I just don't think that's the case. And I would say the same, arguably, you know, if Jerry Contrell was not in the picture, you know, it would not, Alice in Chains to me is so much Jerry and Lane. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Because but, I'm, because I'm not married to the original Alice in Chains. I think William Duvall does a really great job. That's not naturally the way he sings. He's really trying to capture what Lane Staley did for, I think, I think if you were going to do that, I think he's the dude to go with one because he's a good guitar player Two because he has a really strong hardcore punk background, which like lends to a lot of different perspectives as far as like how to approach songwriting and three dude can actually sing. He's a good singer, yeah. you know, but I, I get, that's why I asked because I have a lot of people have different opinions about that. So, you know, it's kind of cool. Where it's like, I don't think it's fair for me to say because I really haven't given it a shot. That's where I've been probably a bit closed minded about. Yeah. But, you know, I can like flip over here and my Lane Staley post. <laughs> 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 so it's just like one of those, you know, and how much would he even care? I doubt that he, you know, I'm sure Lane would be like, whatever about it. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, I, I, it's, I'm going to pull another old man thing since we're talking about those bands. I also got to see Soundgarden on the Louder Than Love tour. So that's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. I, that was another situation I walked in, didn't know what to expect. Cause I hadn't heard them before. I was going to see Voivod cause it was Faith No More opening Soundgarden than Voivod. Faith No More stank up the joint. Faith No More stank what? up the joint. They sucked. That was so in the, what, what, that, like what album? The they? real thing. It was when he thought it was Anthony Kiedis. It was just awful. And just that I feel like I, I still don't like that band. However, I've grown to appreciate Mike Patton as a vocalist and an artist and a songwriter. I don't like everything he does, but I'm like, yeah, that guy's got the right idea. I know yeah. I, I like Angel Dust way better than oh, yeah. the real Angel, thing. In my opinion, that is my favorite Faith No More. Yeah. But, you know, like getting into faith no more mr bungle that um, was like and you have to remember at my age a lot of the bands i was listening to like with a uh, introduction and you know new metal yeah it was so influenced like the mike Patton worship especially here locally on the cleveland scene it was just hard not to i mean for out sorry yeah. i can't no it's okay that's <laughs> my attention um like that was just a name that you like i that's why i, I got into faith no more after you know mm -hmm. like a, later that was like one of those because i was definitely a mushroom head fan yeah <laughs> and, like in the yeah. earlier ends and that was such a big influence for a lot of those dudes mike there's like a lot of mike Patton worship yeah i mean he's clearly a talented guy i just i didn't like that record i didn't like that performance and then soundgarden came on and i was like okay my buddy was like you're gonna like this i'm like why because there's a lot of sabbath going on here and chris cornell came out and he sounded literally like you would imagine the voice of god sounding like 
you could just you could every he was flaying people's skin off their bodies with his voice alone it was just i'd never seen anything like that and they were just good and they were fucking heavy they were noisy too because they were a little bit noisier on that record but they were heavy which album they were louder than love it was their first major label one okay so i think they opened they opened with loud love and it was like whoa
I was a fan, but I never got to see him after that. Never got to see him after that. I felt stupid for never having gone to go check him out after that. I just didn't because I liked Bad Motor Finger a lot. You know, yeah. I just didn't go see it. I you um, know. So to jump back to the Mike Patton thing, though, real quick, the, sure. the real, I don't believe that he really, like, if memory serves me correct, I could be misspoke because I'm pretty sure the angel dust was the first one that like he got to contribute to the writing and all of that. And you can tell the real thing. And I think that's like, I do like the real thing, but I'm, I mean, angel dust is the superior album in my, you're going to knock over my stand, man. It's like that. Just going <laughs> to hang around. He gets in this mode where he wants pet. He'll claw and just, we just got a cat and the cat won't come out of the closet. It hides in the linen closet and just sits there because it doesn't like people. It doesn't like our dog. And it's not it, mean. It just sit, it, he just sits around and then at nighttime he comes out, eats, takes a crap and goes right back to his thing. You know? I mean, not all cats are, I mean, they can be very solitary animals. Yeah. And is like, he just, um, he's interesting. Well, his, I, they, he has his brother here too, who is his own. They're like similar, but not <laughs> Batman though. Like everything's on his terms. He kind of, he's kind of skittish at points, not towards me as much or like the people he knows, but he's like, he'll pretty much go do his own thing. But when he wants like right now, and he's like in mode where he wants to be pet, he's going to rub on everything, knock things over, claw you. So he gets adequate amounts of attention. Um, so we, co we covered a lot of ground with that one, but I really want to, I'm going to steer us back. And the reason I'm going to go this way is because I'm looking at your, I hate God poster, but the reason God. I want to, the reason I want to follow that up with axioma is because I saw Keel Hall, Aaron's band from yeah. the past open for, I hate God at the blind lemon, which is now the foundry. And yes. um, I hate God Keel Hall opened, but it was at when it was now that's class. Uh, it was them, Suplex, and Keel Hall. This is the early aughts. And uh, it was a really, really good show. And I had been a fan of I Hate God before that, but I just hadn't seen them. had the opportunity to go see them. Um, well, they did tour a lot back when. I, like when they were you know, them. I wouldn't have known one way or the other because although I liked those first three albums a lot, I wasn't really looking for their right. shows. It just wasn't in my purview. It wasn't like something I was in tune with. Cause um, you know, I was kind of into the idea of bands slowing down and playing a little bit slower. You know, I mean, we talked about genre defining bands. I mean, one could look to the Melvin sure, but there of that group, in the nineties and then into the early in the, then in the two thousands, I always kind of grouped these guys together. Like I hate God buzz oven cavity and grief and all the bands sound completely I, different. Probably. What's that? Iron monkey too. Yeah. Iron monkey. Yep. Iron monkey as well. Um, I grouped those bands together, but they all sound wildly different, you know, but I hate God was just what I needed when I, when I first heard take as needed for pain. Um, <laughs> That was that was my that was my entry point for that bit. What was your entry point for him? Um, actually, the first one I heard was in the name of suffering. Um, oh that wow! Was, 
hearing the band and I wanted to start from the beginning. But that one didn't hit me like when I heard Take Is Needed for Pain. That's still my favorite I Hate God record to this day. And that's actually Amen. doing the 30th. I'm sorry, this cat is going to keep. It's okay. <laughs> it just keeps scooting it away. I'm afraid that sound's going to come up. Um, so they're doing like that 30th. It's 30 years old now. And th- I just saw, because I'm thinking about going to the Decibel Beer and Metal Fest. They're playing it in its entirety with Brian Patton. Oh, cool. And the title's doing their self-title record. Oh, wow. Entirety. With Dave Lombardo on drums, I bet. Ah. Think about that for a second. <laughs> so I, you know, that's just, that's like how, uh, but they're doing their, when I see like the at, cause they're playing Columbus, uh, like five days after mm-hmm. Philly, I do see them at the top. It says the 30, 30 years with take is needed for pain. So I wonder if they're going to do the whole set for all the dates, you know, I would hope so. I- I mean, if they're, advertising, if they're advertising it that way, I would hope they would. Well, like, I don't know if it's just like, we're going to play a collection and still play some of the other shit. I would hope so. But then I see that also being a good draw if you're Decibel Beer and Metal Fest, <laughs> you know. Yeah. But maybe Patton's only doing that one and not the other ones. I don't know. Yeah. And Brian Patton is just such, that's one of my favorite guitar players between I Hate God and Soylent Green, like his, his guitar work in Soylent Green, especially just like the way that he stitches the riffs together. It'll be like, and, it, and how the drums was Tommy Buckley, like that the songs will just completely flip, but they, but they're cohesive. And I think a lot of that is how he stitches those segue riffs together. And that is, that is one band that needs to have a comeback. <laughs> yeah. Violent green. Um, didn't mean to get there, but that's really exciting now that, that they're going to get back on that tour. I, I miss seeing, I hate God with Brian Patton, just Jimmy Bowers. Amazing. That's like the foundation, but I mean, it is like the big difference between like in the name of suffering compared to everything. I hate God did after that. Yeah. Just the energy and then the most recent record where they, they took brian out you can really tell you can just really tell that i like it it's definitely like my least favorite i hate god release i don't you know i don't be like oh fuck that record but you can you can just tell like the the riffs are good it's i mean Bauer's a good guitar player. Like he has a well, I, he has a definitive sound and style and approach. It's just, I think, you know, Brian is who really has that energy. You know, speaking of comeback records, Surgical Steel being a massive one. I Hate God self-titled is probably my second or third favorite. I Hate God release at this point. I'm gonna I- have to listen to it then because honestly, after Dope Sick, everything I listened to after that, I was like. It just, all of it left me flat. I was like, I yeah. think I have what I need because after Take His Knees for Pain, I got in the name of Suffering pretty quickly because I was able to get um, one of the original presses on the record for Dirt Cheap. And I'm like, oh, great, you know? And then yeah. Dope Sick came out and I've got like a collection of different seven inches and stuff and things like that. Stuff that made up Southern Discomfort. Yeah. And I was like, this band is awesome. And then um, after that, I was just like, 
Yeah, I think I think I can stop here. But on your recommendation, I think I'm going to have to listen to the self-titled one because on top of that, the one time we got to play with them, which is 2018, 2019, they were really good, really, mm-hmm. really good live. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I might need to rethink my shit because I might be wrong. Maybe it was just fatigue. You yeah. Know? I was I was fatigued with that because so many bands started doing similar stuff or coming from that, playing in that same sandbox that maybe I was it's- just sort of like over it. I know it yeah. sounds childish, but sometimes you just are, you're just over something, right? Oh yeah. You know, but if you're telling me if the wrists are s- super great, then I might have to go back and look I- at that one. It's the wrist. That's the energy of that record. Like I'm a big take as needed for, uh, for pain fan. Obviously I love dope sick. I, I just, I celebrate their entire catalog. <laughs> 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 um, nice but- office space reference for the people who didn't catch that. <laughs> um but i like to me like i i mean i was pretty hyped for the release of that one and that came out on housecore records when they recorded at phil's space Mm -hmm. that one it just the drive the energy and then just seeing them so many times since that and they definitely keep a good healthy dose of those songs in their playlists like on their set list that you know, I, I really, I just, I really enjoy that album. I listen to it just about as much as I listen to Take Us Needed for Pain and Dope Sick. I mean, those are like the staples of the I Hate Guide catalog, but I, you know. Okay. I'm convinced I'm going to have to go listen to it again. I mean, I just <laughs> haven't really, I haven't really given it a chance. Right so. <laughs> See, mission, it. mission accomplished at least. You got me <laughs> to come outside of my box a little bit on that one. Do you have a favorite I Hate God song? that is hard for me to pick a face because like especially with like take as needed for pain i'm a front front to back listener um you kind of have to but i think the tile track stands out in particular
that yeah. I love Fucker Part One. Um, <laughs> I that riff is like in the bass intro. Um, I giggle at their song titles because I'm just like, yo, oh, yeah. you guys, you guys are off the hook with this shit. I don't know oh. if this is something you want to do anymore. <laughs> That's one of my favorite intro riffs too. Yeah. Left. I mean, a song title they changed. <laughs> um, I think that artistically, you know, given the context of the people in the band and who you know about them and what you know about the band, same thing can be said for Dead Kennedys. You know, their their lyrics in Holiday in Cambodia, which are meant to be taken one way. Oh, but, yeah. But you can't, I don't want to say you can't get away with that anymore. I think that. You can't, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't. No. And I don't know if I want to bemoan that too much because the problem is for every person that is intelligently making a commentary on something that's positive and progressive and they're doing it in a way from either a first person point of view or they're trying to illustrate something for every person that does that you got 20 jerk offs that are saying real shitty things and and yeah. and, and like you're kind of you know implicitly giving them license to act like jerk offs even though you're saying something really smart you know yeah. i'm not i'm not saying i hate god or say anything really smart but i understood where they were going with that like it's it's baked in who they are the the lives that they used to lead and and that sort of situation i get it well and certain things were socially acceptable to like as much as like it's i mean even the offspring in their like it was the lapd song they have they've used that i mean that was not an uncommon thing like where they then to like jello like the song white neighbor is what we say now for i hate god mm-hmm. where they make a different statement it's not meant to be like a hateful word towards a group of people they're trying to well i mean it is meant to convey something about a different group of people but just where certain parts didn't age well like and then the punk like the dead Kennedys reference is probably like the best in that, in that, like, I mean, he was one of my favorite bands in the punk scene that totally progressive and totally like, you know, uh, Avengers Penelope, uh, Houston, they have a song called white neighbor. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah. Do you want to say that? Do you really, I mean, I think it's just we're smart enough to know now that you don't really need to yeah. use that language to be able to express but, an idea that you think is is actually a cool thing, you know. In the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, it didn't, it had that kind of temptation if, you know, that is where, like, especially white people, you know, were, it didn't have the same meaning. Uh, that's just like oh whatever but now like in context posts everything we've witnessed and learned over the last like five years especially as a society like where it's just like yo but like i hate god have even said that for like a long time you know like they've pulled away from a lot of the southern stuff that they used to and i don't want to say like stand for like they were they, you know, were, they, had, they were they were illustrating a culture that they were, they were familiar with. Bubble. 
you know yeah it, it's it was it was wrong when they said it it was wrong when jello said it i think that there's just a, they weren't i don't want to they're not dummies but they just weren't smart enough to think of a better way to communicate that particular lyric or that particular song title and, well, and back value there like and i think like oh that's yeah like what- lot of that gets lost in these discussions and well in the discourse really in general that you know we could go through a whole list of bands especially if you want to visit some black metal bands yeah Um, sure and some things that were done explicitly said for shock value horrible like not but like do i think that Mike Williams or Jello Biafra or Dexter Holland should be canceled for these words they chose to use. You know, how old was Mike when he wrote that record? How old was Jello? Was it wrong? Yeah, but I think it's really easy to sit back in today's standards and say something's wrong. Oh, ever be like my kid that's going to be hard for her to wrap her head around that people were ever even in a place where they were comfortable. And that should say something too. This is not because as much as we want to say the artists and everything, but how many labels got behind that shit? How many, like there's a whole culture that made something, even if it's, you know, something wrong, not seem right, but permissible. Maybe. I, I think basically what it boils down to is like, what's, what's the artist's agenda behind that? Right. What what's the agenda? What are they saying? If you haven't learned anything in the last five years with regarding any kind of privilege and things that you have, like you just haven't been paying attention. Yeah. Or at least try if you're if you're not at least trying, yeah. Then I've got no time for you. You don't no I'm not gonna pick on the low hanging fruit, man. I'm I'm gonna like let people grow however they need to grow, right? right. But at the same time, if you're not trying then I've got no time for you. But then, I mean, this I think is a good segue to Neil Young. Who all for, who seems to have had his head on straight for a while. Well, yeah. and always <laughs> kind of, well, I mean, I mean, he gets very fuck you. Like I look at like the Spotify, you know, when he, people were like, I can't believe you fucking pulled. And it's like, I can, I mean, the dude that is like one of the, now do I think it had as big of an impact as he hoped it would have? no, but I do think it says something. Someone his age, from the gem- generation he was, he was pretty. He was really progressive for his time, even as like I don't know, like the whole Joe Rogan thing, though, where he was like, "I'm pulling my catalog," and I mean, I kind of respected him for doing that, like being that principled still in this day and age. But it shouldn't the- have surprised anybody that he did. No, I mean, like I'm eight on the no, guy. No, that sounds right, you know. But he's also the one that wrote like Southern Man, you know, like w- way back. Right. And then uh, Leonard Skinner actually like comment to him in Sweet Home Alabama, you know, like, oh, we don't need him around anyhow, you know. Yeah. Uh, but like to me, I think like for somebody his age, the generation he grew up in, he's not perfect. But I think like he's like wildly progressive and he's in a place as an artist where he has the control, the reach, the money, 
where he can make certain decisions. Like when I saw Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young in high school, what was cool, like all their merch sales go to an environmental cause and they're all made from like whatever, like cotton and sustainable material, which back then that wasn't talked about as much. Mm -mm. But they, he's always, to me, like he's always kind of, whether you agree with the dude or not, he's he's always been very principled. And, and that's what I think like makes him, not only did he have such an influence on grunge, on a lot of like the modern extreme guitar tones, um, he was very much, he's not like one of those like, oh, I'm successful and rich. Like he doesn't always just make money. It doesn't seem like everywhere he can, he gives back farm aid. He's very big on, you know, just he puts his money where his mouth is. And yeah, I think a lot of a lot of people that um, came up with him and I don't necessarily mean musicians. I mean, just people who were part of the movement in the 60s. You know, I can say what I want about John Lydon because I think he's a piece of crap, but he did say one thing. It was true. He said, never trust a hippie. And I'll tell you why, because all those motherfuckers sold out. They oh, love yeah. they love to tell you about how they were, you know, they changed the world and shit. Yeah, they changed the world so that in the 80s they could do coke and work on Wall Street. That's what all those motherfuckers did. Neil Young didn't go with them though. So no. you know, and I'm painting with broad strokes, but that's grossly it's what happened. The reason our society is, you know, yeah. you had this whole generation that they used all these advantages and then they, they fucking slammed the door and shut out opportunities for their kids, for other people. And Neil's actually combated that in a lot of ways. And I think uh, Willie Nelson's another good example from that. Yeah. generation. And, yeah, and he, he had it harder pushing back. Cause you know, he's coming from that Nashville mm -hmm. thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, but I mean, the whole point is that the, the boomers like, you know, they uh, thrived off the back of their parents' hard work. Say what you want about that generation because they were fraught with all kinds of problems, but they lived off the bat, lived off the fat of that, fucked off through the 60s, you know, pr protested and went to college and all this stuff. And then when it was time to grow up, guess what? They grew up and said, well, that chapter of our lives is done. It's all about us now because it's always been about us. So fuck everyone else. That's what right. it's always been, you know? Right. Know. No, and that's like, that's it's like they were the original kind of like performative <laughs> activists, if you will, like the virtue signaling. Oh, yeah, we did the Washington March. We did this. We had equality. But meanwhile, like from a political standpoint, there was still like redlining. And like, I mean, the, it, it was just very surface and very, I mean, I guess we'd say whitewashed. Well, it goes back to that lyric in Holiday for Cambodia. He's talking about the guy, college guy listening to jazz in his room saying he knows how, how they feel, and they don't. Yeah, That's exactly what Jell is referencing, no. is Neil Young's generation, yeah. but not Neil Young specifically, who I think is great, you know? Right. I just, and as a musician, like, I, it's another one. I love the whole, <laughs> I love his whole catalog. Were you? Were you playing guitar listening to him first or other musicians? Like, I kind of get the feeling maybe that's where you got your start. Neil Young was definitely, like, I was probably listening to him in the loom for all I know. Like, he was just such an influence to, I mean, I've talked to people that love metal, that love, you know, hard rock and grunge, that just, 
he's influenced so much. Like he is everything. Probably, yeah. One of, like, and I actually like his songs. Like, like Bob Dylan, I respect him as like a songwriter. I kind of put I them like his the- lyrics. Like, I like the way he phrases things. I like that, but I don't necessarily like the songs. It's I like weird. Bob Dylan a lot more than I actually catch myself listening to Bob Dylan, where Neil, I'm very much the opposite. I mean, I love how people cover him too, but I, I just, I like, I really don't think he has a bad album. I think there's ones that are stronger and actually like one of my favorite records by him, he fucking hates, um, comes a time. Do you know that one at all? I don't, I don't.
travel in life Eyes wide open for the next move I can't go wrong until I get right But I'm not falling back in the same Like, I don't remember exactly how many thousands of copies he bought back, but he was just, for whatever reason, like, unhappy with it. And it's such a gem of a record. Uh, Nicolette Larson's on that one. Um, you know, it's definitely, like, country, country Neil. Like, yeah. that country flirt. So if you like that that kind of Neil, it's a, it's a really brilliant record, but he hated it. <laughs> I don't know why, but he bought back like all of these. And so not that it's like a super hard record to find these days, but it's one of those, like there'd be a lot more in circulation if he didn't do that. And I don't know that they'll ever do like too many represses or anything of it, but that's just, that's always been whenever I'm like hating myself as an artist, you know, I remember well, Neil Young hated that one. And (laughs) there's like a lot of Neil Young fans, like, you know, the people that go deep into this catalog, you know, that when you like talk about that, we're like, oh, especially like dudes that are like 60s, 70s. They're like, did you know? Oh, yes, I did. Because <laughs> that was something that I think of from time to time, just like, because he is, he's one of those like kind of sad, self depreciating artists too. But he's yeah. got impressive, impressive catalog. And still you know, puts out decent stuff to this day, which is yeah. He's still he's still really he still really works hard on what he does. Like he takes his craft seriously. But you open the door to it, so I'm going to ask, um, what are you guys up to? What are you working oh, Val. on? Yeah, Val. What is Val up to? Well, we just did that little run. We got to play with Axioma for a couple of dates. Yeah. When- hard on that one <laughs> um we got to open for acid witch too for the west side bulls five-year anniversary and like nebula played howling giant um atomic bitch wax like so that was like a pretty sick show uh and then there was like some locals lake lake and trephine as well um before that we finally got to play kent like they're they're doing some shows at the Zephyr and stuff. Now. You only live there. I know. Like <laughs> shit, finally, about time. So we got done recording. Dave, Big Metal, just recorded us. Like we're in the process of mixing, and I still have some bass to get to him. Um, 
And then that'll be coming out and I'll announce the title when I have the artwork, which Jay Myers at Axioma is doing the art again for oh, us. That is, his, his shit is so good. His oh, well, so good. I already had him for the first one. If, so I, like, yeah. if I had ever had the appropriate vehicle for that type of artwork, I would have asked him, but I just never had oh. anything appropriate for it. So what's that? <laughs> I don't even know if I do, but I just like it. I like yeah. how it, it's nice then dark and he i think it's too like he was like the first concept i came to him with he was just like dude like he knew and then he got the vision like perfect like it's really cool it's really yeah. nice i love his artwork well i'm finally glad we got to do this me too we, we've, been, we've been talking about it since day one since I know. <laughs> day one we've been talking about it All right, that's it. That's all I got for you. I want to thank Elise for hanging out and talking for a while. Uh, that was we had a really good time. Hopefully, we'll get to catch up again soon. Uh, if you want to hear the band Avowal, you can do so at avowalband.bandcamp.com. That's avowalband.bandcamp.avowalband.bandcamp.com. Uh, you can find uh, their album Feast of the Familiar as well as a, a sort of ephemera on there. And uh, yeah, just uh, go check it out. I think you'll really, really enjoy it. Um, yeah, that's it. If you want to uh, if you want to talk to me, if you want to talk to me, <laughs> if you want to communicate with me uh, through social media, you can do so on Instagram at bleachmouth underscore postscript. The email is bleachmouthps at gmail.com. It's on Facebook at bleachmouthpostscript, but I don't really interact with that one as much uh you can listen to all the episodes on the website uh bleachmouth yeah bleachmouth.mkultrazine.com and uh you can hear everything on apple podcasts uh not on spotify and yeah that's it that's all i got man i uh, got more episodes coming up some really good ones some really fun ones and uh thanks for listening uh, oh, hey, write, rate, subscribe, you know, blah, blah, blah. write, rate, subscribe, share with your friends, you know, do all that good stuff. Uh, five-star reviews only, only five-star reviews. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks a lot.